Hello, everyone. This is Elena Muzana, and this is Mind Over Matter. Today, I'm going to be talking to Eva Clark. Eva Clark is a clinical medical hypnotherapist. She's a trainer and speaker, and welcome, Eva. Thank you, Elena. It's it's nice to speak to another hypnotherapist, and so I think this will be a very interesting conversation today. I agree. And um, it's been a while since I've spoken uh, with another hypnotherapist as well. So I'm really looking forward to it. So there's, uh, there's a lot of things to talk about. Uh, first of all, I, this is the first time I'm meeting you, first time I'm talking to you, actually. Uh, you and I connected on Facebook about maybe a year and a half ago, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Could have been, we, yeah. Yeah, we were introduced by someone else. And um, you are, I was introduced to you because I think I was looking for someone or to interview someone and you were also in the same state in California, but you're, you're going to, for your, um, one of your degrees, another degree in, tell me, tell me what you're doing and what university you're going to. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a a very avid learner, everything that has to, everything that'll help me understand and understand more the mind over matter, the mind's ability to help guide and influence, you know, our bodies, both towards health or into disease. I'm, I'm an avid learner. So I, I'm constantly taking some courses. I take, you know, courses with any trainer who says they've worked with chronic disease and Mm -hmm. based methods. And I also have gone to quite a few schools, um, Last year, I guess I was uh, going to a school uh, in Southern California, the California Institute of, um, I guess it was Human Studies, CIHS. Yeah, and, yeah. And so I've I've studied with them conscious medicine, and you know, and just really looking at those those components, the components of consciousness and mm-hmm. healing. So. And you are a hypnotherapist. How long have you been a hypnotherapist and how did it all start for you? I got my training in 2011. Um, before that, quite a few years before that, I was a, an architect. I was actually um, in Eastern Europe uh, doing a project, an airport. In Warsaw. And um, I was trying to find, again, I'm an avid learner. I was trying to find ways to motivate my team. And I came across coaching and, you know, I don't know your experience when you first do or doing coaching, but you know, the first weekend it was like, oh my God, I want to do this all day long. I want to talk about things that are important. I want to motivate. I want to, I want to bring out the whys in people. And mm-hmm. I really got into coaching and I was probably doing coaching. I was doing coaching at night. It was kind of crazy. It was like, I was working my butt off during the day and at night it was like, what I was looking forward to is coaching people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, you know, I did that for several years and, um, and it was great and it was empowering, but every once in a while I would agree, you know, the, with the client, um, okay, this is what I'm going to do for myself this week. And then the next week would come along and they hadn't done it. You know, this is what I'm going to do. And the next week they hadn't done it. And it was like, what is there that's keeping them from doing it? It's like in the sessions we're talking about, they're really motivated, they're going and something stops them. Yeah, that's, that's too. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I started researching again. What is that? How can I tap into that? Because they didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. No matter how much you talked about it, it didn't come out and talk, you know, in talk sessions. 
And that's when I started exploring other modalities. And I started with NLP. You know, mm -hmm. and NLP really helps you to see patterns, to see what are the resistance and to help you work through that. But parts work, like understanding what part is. Parts work, yes. And then seeing the patterns, you know, what are you seeing as you're doing that? If you're seeing yourself failing, well, yeah, of course, it's going to be almost impossible to do it, right? But if have you see yourself, you trigger these, you know, see yourself having it done, you know, it's almost like, well, no brainer, right? It happens more automatically. Mm. And then through the NLP, one of our weekends was actually hypnosis. And she, you know, and the teacher taught us. And it was really interesting that weekend because half the class was missing. Hmm. So I think, you know, like many people and probably even people that are listening, you know, to your podcast are like, oh, hypnosis, that's, that's, that's brain control or something. And so yeah. a lot of people are a little uncomfortable. And I was like, I wonder what this is going to be, <laughs> but I'm very curious. So I did go and I was fascinating again. You know, I thought it was like, wow, this is like not talking to the person at this level. This is talking to the person at a whole different level. And I, and I became quite hooked. Wow. So that's how it started for you. What about um, your direction is chronic disease? Why? How did you get into that area? Well, that's kind of funny. In the same way, um, I did my NLP training and then I had an opportunity to come to California and the hypnosis was actually an excuse to stay here because it was a 14 month training. And uh, I came to Northern California and I knew I wanted to stay but I was like, how do I justify staying here? You know, and, and a, a training was happening a few weeks starting up transpersonal hypnotherapy here where I wanted to stay. And I was like, oh, I, I like that. I was actually really good with the NLP. I really, okay, I'll do that just, you know, for something on the side to complement my coaching. Mm -hmm. And I got into it, you know, it 14 months of training. And one of the weekends, two weekends, I think it was, there was health. One of the main weekends with, was health. I didn't show up. It's like, I actually got sick. It's like, oh, I don't want to deal with, you know, stuff. I actually got sick and I skipped right over that part because I thought it was much more fascinating to help people empower people with other stuff. You know, oh, I didn't want to deal with the sick yet the next year and the next several years, actually, I assisted. I was, you know, assisted in the training. Mm -hmm. And so I, I went through that that weekend several times mm -hmm. and I found it fascinating mm -hmm. and, and um, I remember I was like not really sure which way I wanted to take my you know what am I going to focus on what do I want to dig deep into and I remember I was um, I was kind of stressed about it and I had like a lot of tension which is something I used to have a lot in architecture but I wasn't having with coaching and so I went with a, to a friend and she gave me a three hour massage, which was incredible. It's quite hypnotic too. Mm -hmm. And during the massage, all these memories came to me of when I was little. My mother's a hospital librarian. My dad had a heart attack when he was 42. He almost had another heart attack. He was in, the, in and out of hospitals, you know, as a child. I was reading, you know, my mom would bring the medical journals home you know, as a hospital librarian, she'd bring them home on Fridays because Mondays when she had to, you know, put them on the database and get them all, you know, coded and everything. Yeah. She would bring them home to eye them, you know, to look at them. And I would read them. You know, I think I must have been fourth, fourth grader and I was reading, you know, the new wow. the England Journal of Medicine. And so all this, I'm doing this, you know, I'm getting this massage and I'm all these memories are coming to me. And as a little kid, I always wanted to help people, um, 
that were, had, were in wheelchairs or that had any kind of disability. I wanted to, to give, make them cool things. You know, I, I had originally wanted to be a, a biomedical engineer. Mm -hmm. But when I started that, it was, it was tremendously boring. And I was like, there's no way I'm doing this for the rest of my life. And so I just went totally on a tangent. And during this meditation, it kind of like, you know, my, my, my own mind kind of said, do you, do you remember these big neon signs you had as a kid? You know, there's, it's not a coincidence. It's not arbitrary that you read the New England Medical Journal at, you know, the age of what, nine, you know. That's interesting. Yeah. Usually when we're kids, the kind of stuff we do as kids and the kind of stuff we're interested in, usually this is the kind of stuff that is, you know, our ends up being our passion if we're open to it, if we are in alignment with it. But yeah. I can see it. You know, when I was a kid, I was my father got a uh, stereo, like it was like a stereo where you would do your own, you can do recordings. So he showed me how to do recordings and I started doing recordings when I was like five, six. And then I started doing it myself. I started cutting, cutting with between two different tapes and making my programs. And it, it has been my passion and it is my passion, you know, as, as a filmmaker and hypnotherapist, I'll tell you more about it a little later. But yeah, I can see the correlation for you, how you were interested in medical stuff and how you actually wanted to help people looks like with physical some sort of physical ailments and something yeah, like that. I wanted to empower them I thought they were the most instead of thinking that someone who has something is lesser than or um uh, or they have a problem I thought they were fascinating really I thought they were like oh my gosh I want to know everything about this person because I thought they that to be given this is as a kid, you know, to be given that task to deal with a, a handy, you know, a something so um, limiting, Ooh. they must be amazing human beings. I thought it was fascinating. I never thought of looking at it this way. Yeah, but this you know, is, you know, this is, you know, as a five-year-old, a six-year-old, I would go yeah, and go, yeah, yeah. So how do you shower, shower? Do you shower with your wheelchair? And, and so how do you move around? And, and what do you have to, wow, you have to like think about everything. And it, I just found, yeah, I found it fascinating. But even how you say it, like you were given that task, like the, as a kid, you were thinking as if you were given that task, right? It looks, it's interesting to look at it from one angle, is it possible that the type of disease we may have or experience, experience some sort of ailment is a task to get through, accomplish, and, and complete or, or not? Well, those that really heal from that, that's their learning. Mm -hmm. Think about cancer and spontaneous remission. There's, yeah. a, there's an article actually on it, and um, it's a great, I'm just like 15 page article. And what it really talks about is one of the big things as you interview people that have, you know, done their work and actually moved out of their cancers and remained out of their cancers. Yeah. Um, they always talk about meaning. You know, they talk about life before cancer yeah. and then talk about life afterwards. And there's a big evolution. There's a big change. There's a lot of things that need to be let go of guilts and, you know, ways of being, and they move towards a much more authentic, a much more uh, driven self from here, not from pleasing. Yeah. yeah. You know? So yeah. yeah. And yeah, with my own clients, when you go into trance, like one of the things I, you know, my client, will, I work a lot with MS. That's my, my um, specialty. 
multiple sclerosis, sclerosis, right? And I'll have a client say, well, you know, my legs are broken, you know, because my myelin's broken. I said, okay, I get, I, I, I get that. You know, that's what people are saying. And I said, let's go and talk to yourselves. Let's go into trance and see what your body says. What does your body need from you? Mm. And I love um, in that state, they're totally relaxed. It's kind of like a waking dream. And we invite a guest into a safe space uh, it might be a secret garden or a place that they they know. And we invite a guest in and we allow the guest to appear in whatever way. Again, it's like a waking dream. You allow more than you try to, you know, force it. And so a guest comes in, they're pretty surprised. You know, I've had a, a beagle, a dog, you know, they're a, a striped zebra, um, a fox, a blue chair, just, you know, something comes in and we talk to it. And one thing I love to do is talk to this element and say, so uh, is the body broken? And always, it's like, I feel like, like our conscious minds are definitely connected because I ask the same question and I get the same answer. And what is it? And over. I'm not broken. I took that out. I could put it right back in. The, the, the body, the, the, the pain, the pain says, or the body. The body. I don't the break. Body. The body says, I don't break. Oh, okay, okay. I, I put that in, I could take that out. Responsibility. The other body is saying, there's a reason why that has to be there. Yeah, well, what I'm hearing, like almost like a sense of responsibility, I'm taking, I took it on and I'm responsible for it, right? Well, the body took it on. The body decided the body. Yeah. that, I think about the body as, it's quite participatory of your life. You're not just a head walking around with this inanimate or this animate object that moves around where you want to go. The body is extremely connected to why you're here, why you're here, what you're supposed to be doing, what, who you are. Um, and so, and it's not socially influenced like our heads are, you know, it yeah. knows. And so it's almost like if you think about when someone has a very dominant eye, right? and the other eye is lazy, what does the doctor do to help? What does the doctor do? Prescribe glasses or surgeries? Yeah, so the doctor will prescribe glasses or a patch uh -huh. to actually turn off the dominant eye. Mm. Because then it will force the eye that hasn't been working mm -hmm. to start working. Mm. The body will do the same thing. If you are very dominant in something, you are a doer, a doer, a doer, or a giver, 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 mm -hmm. and there's no balance, the body will turn this off to force you to start, you know, to start building the receiver aspect, to start building the getting help, to start building the, I do things creatively just because they're fun, not because they're, you know, there's a goal, right? MS, for example, is very goal orientated. They're very A-type personality. It's all about success, success, success. And so- And that's giving, right? Is it, that's giving? No, so in cancer, it's a lot about giving. With multiple sclerosis, it's about achievement. So when you say um, achievement, meaning the person is into achievement. Very driven by achievement. Yeah, uh, interesting. This, I, I'm like that. Can you tell, what is multiple sclerosis? What is it exactly? So what the, which gives you a lot of clues of what's happening. What the body does is your nervous system, mm -hmm. you know, 
going to grab a pen, your nervous system sends the message, energy go through your nervous system and you go and grab your pen. With MS, what happens is the immune system filters into the blood brain barrier and attacks the covering of the nervous system, the central, not the peripheral. And so when you're going to go do something, especially legs, mm -hmm. when you're going to go do something, it actually kind of keeps you from, from just going. Just do, 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 because people with MS will tend to be, they give 110%. They're always, there's like this need, if I could just be the best, if I could just be told by everyone that you are good, you are worthy, yeah. then I can relax. Wow. That's objective. So you're constantly looking for the next thing to prove the worth. Interesting. And so what does MS do? It gives you a sensation of 30 pound bags on your legs. So you can't oh go. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is explains to everything right now because I mean, stopped now, but for many, many years I had bad dreams that I can't walk as if my legs are glued. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm, tr I'm walking and I'm trying to get someplace. It's always like getting somewhere and I'm, my legs are glued together. It's like they're ma like a magnet almost. Exactly. So what do you think the body, if the body is covering that dominant do, 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 what do you think the body's trying, wanting you to develop more? What's the opposite? Well, relax. And, and also stop going, stop rushing, just let things come in. In that sense, this is something, this was my main lesson. Mm -hmm. Main okay. lesson. Yeah. Allowing from doing with the objective of being perfect, of being successful, of showing others, mm -hmm. just doing because it's fun, it's joyful, it's creative, it fills you and no one else. Love what you're saying. This is actually one of my biggest, biggest lessons in life. And, and to see how it's connected to this. And thank God I only had it in my dreams. And then I woke up, you yeah, know, because... I mean, the body will give you inklings, yeah. you know, say, hey, you know, gives you a little tension, gives you a little something, gives you some dreams, gives you a, you know, a little messenger comes to, to tell you, hey, you might want to slow down. If we don't listen and we're like, no, this is, you know, then it gives you another inkling. Mm -hmm. Clients with MS usually before had migraines or um, IBS issues, stomach issues. It's like, yes. it gives you a little, and if you keep going, then it just says, you know, when it's almost like the last straw, it's like you're working 14 hour days, you never stop the weekend, you're just catching up. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you feel threatened, even though you're probably the best person in the whole office, you feel threatened because they're starting to fire people. And you feel like, oh my gosh, this is the end for me. Mm -hmm. If I get fired from this, this is the end. Your body just goes, you know what? Stop. And you end up waking up and you can't move, you know, and for a few days, your body's like, okay, you're going to chill. And then we're going to start working on this. If people come to you with things like MS, IBS, right? Yes. And you see a, a, a pattern, which you're talking about. It's either the person is overgiving, right? Achieve, achieve, achieve. So for example, yeah. Yeah. So or, with or, or what's the opposite of that would be what's the, if, well, it depend on so each symptom has a message mm -hmm. so for example ms has a lot of different symptoms leg things tend to be a lot of doing 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 pain of in ms has a lot of repressed um shame guilts you know i sh you know it's like there's this very very high standards like even if i'm 20 years old i should have known better 
It's like, well, yeah, at 50, if you look back, you would say, <laughs> how can we be so silly? But at 20, yeah. your brain isn't developed yet. No, you right. should not know anything. You're <laughs> still a kid. But there's this, uh, you know, a lot of regret and shame. And so that will show up as a different kind of symptom. A lot of emotion will show up at repressed emotion as numbing in the hands. Mm. And so what I love about hypnotherapy is you can go in trance and talk to each symptom and get, when did it come in? Why was this necessary? What is it here to teach? What does she need? You know, she need, she, he needs to let go of. Yeah. And so as you talk to this symptoms, you get some, so you get an insight, right? Some understanding why it started, what the lesson is. Do you find that your clients in that state of trance and hypnosis are able to come up with um, insight and solution and, and then implement it in their life? So this is what usually happens after the session. They're like, who is that? It's like, I was hearing a voice or I was getting all these men. Was that me? Or was that something else? And I'm like, oh, it's kind of in between, between you, the super conscious, the old, you know, the, the universal conscious. I think we're having a three or four way, you know, communication here. Usually what I found when I first started working with this, I thought that's all I needed to do. I needed, I was just, you know, helping to guide, get the messages and that was it. But what I learned is when the disease is as serious as for example, MS or cancers, the messages are usually beyond the paradigm of the client. Mm. So I'll give you an example. And one of my clients with MS, uh, the MS told this client, um, she has a major fear of failure. She has to let go. She cannot be driven by that because it is stopping her, is freaking out the body. It's like, she has to let that go. And so after the session, I go, oh, okay. So, you know, we have to let go of fear of failure. And my client was like, yeah, but I mean, everybody has that problem. I mean, yeah, of course, but, and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And so in the next session, I did parts work and we talked to the one that was a fail, you know, that feared failure. It was a perfectionist. And I, it was like totally dominating this person's life. Mm. Like she didn't clean and just vacuum a little bit on Sunday. I take five minutes. She used the wet, the wet vacuum almost weekly, move the furniture wetter. It's like every time she did something, she had to do it better than she had done it the last time. It didn't matter if it was work, washing dishes, combing her, whatever it was, there was this drive. If I can just do it perfect. Mm-hmm. And then in that session, we went and spoke to the part of her that fails. I go, let's talk to the failure. She was like, what? Yeah, let's talk to the part of you that failed. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't fail. I was like, well, when you're two years old and you're learning to, you know, walk, I mean, we stumble like crazy. We hit everything. I mean, we fail up and down. I mean, we fail and laugh and get back up. Let's talk to failure. It took her 10 minutes before she was able to go sit on the chair and talk as failure. Yeah, yeah. That's how driven and fearful she was. And so that's when I realized, oh my gosh, as the hypnotherapist, we're responsible to A, take really good notes, you know, what's going on, and then work with the client to see what needs to be developed. Because some of the things that the 
disease is going to talk about is a little stretching them beyond what they're able to see. Yeah, yeah. And and so when you talk when we talk about stretching beyond what they're able to see, it's it's the parts that they've never seen recognized even as you know the failure part part right that is that seems seemed to be in control in that woman's life right yeah. but never being seen or acknowledged or even talked to and you have given the voice to that part and it's you said it took 10 minutes for it to get out because there's probably a lot of walls and in denial or or even it was so disowned yeah. Yeah. And when oh, you talk to that part, part lazy. Huh? the part lazy, that's a hard one for a lot of people to get into. Oh, it's shame, right? A lot of shame there. Oh my gosh, lazy. It's like lazy has no worth. If you're lazy, you're not right. doing anything. Right. There's right. no worth in lazy. Yet lazy is extremely creative. Mm-hmm. It sits around and daydreams and, and these amazing ideas occur to lazy. Right? Lazy is when your body heals. Lazy when your body gets to reach and review. Yeah. And so, but all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 I'm not lazy, you know? Especially if you grow up with those, you know, affirmations, you know, from from the upbringing. I remember in Soviet Union, maybe Soviet Union or the culture where I grew up, things like being lazy was a really, really, really bad thing, you know? Exactly. Yet, Anything you resist persists. Anything you try to push down, it's like, you know, having a beach ball and trying to put it into the water. The minute you stop looking at that beach ball, it's going to shoot up, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The grass is going to come back to beat to bite you. Exactly. It's so fascinating, really. And you see, we often associate, uh, like you said, laziness as if there's no movement, nothing is happening, things have stopped. And, uh, but at times, and again, for me personally, the, the lazy, just relaxing, just, just, just letting, just observing when you're in that state of lazy, like even for me to say lazy, I have a lot of guilt with it because of books we've read in the Russian lit- literature books about, you know, <clears throat> there was a man who we had to read it and study who was laying on the couch. Um, his name was Oblomov. Oblomov means breaking everything so you're breaking his life so breaking his life so he was just so lazy on the couch and we were indoctrinated with this idea that it's bad to be lazy you need to constantly do things and strive and things like that so just exactly. to lay on the couch is like oh that's that's not right you know i can't just like exactly you know? yeah if you look at a lot of the coaching um theories and philosophies there's that 2080 rule right that really only 20 percent of what you do is really effective and moves you to a thumb and 80 percent is just busyness so why don't you split that busyness into just 40 percent busyness and 40 percent just ah creativity and daydreaming and putting mm-hmm. your feet up and having conversations and coffees and you know rather than yeah so and you don't have to work hard you don't have to work hard to get things come to you you know it sh- things should be easy you know m- meaning that you, you you do what you love and it's just enjoyment and a lot of people nowadays especially maybe in, in big cities or california you see people do things with such ease of course there's you know hard work is when we see famous people actors celebrities you know founders of makeup companies you know like 
without saying the names of people, but a lot of uh, ladies, celebrities, famous people, there seems like it's just like, it's just happening for them. They're just doing it. You know, there's so much ease, you know, of course there's work there involved, but there's work there involved. There's connections. There's leaning on yeah. people. There's, there's consistency. You know, consistency doesn't mean 14 hours. It just means keep showing up. It's like, you know, the best authors aren't the ones that are working 14-hour days. The best authors are the ones who get up and at from 10 to 12, they write. And then from 2 to 6, they write. And that's it. And they turn off the, you know, those are the ones that, you know. But we think... Oh, you need to work hard. That's that concept of mm -hmm. you know, work hard to to achieve. I always I use the, the example of Einstein. Mm -hmm. Einstein wasn't working fourteen hour days. Einstein worked in the morning. Then you know after lunch he would take a stroll in the park with a friend. He always says his downloads were during his showers. He was an Uber showerer. You know it's like mm -hmm. and he said he would get his downloads and then he would spend his time trying to prove what he already knew. He wasn't there cramming like, you know, we're told in school, you have to, you know, be there cramming with the numbers. He would get that and go, huh, how do I prove this to others? Love you know? it. But to do that, you need to have space. You need to have, you know, some, some emptiness so that those thoughts can come through. How does your workday look like? Um, I only work with three people a day. Mm -hmm. uh, my sessions are about 90 minutes long, so um, it's, it's quite a bit of time. But I notice if I work with more people, I'm like, okay, next, okay, next. Mm -hmm. Well, if I work with three, I'm like, oh my God, this is gonna be so fascinating, right? And then it still gives me enough time for me to do what I love doing, which is my research. You know, I love to study, I love to, um, to make these connections. I love to think it's like, I have the possibility of a new client now uh, with mm -hmm. OCD and I've been looking at it and going, oh my gosh, you know what? I, this is, oh, this is gonna be so fascinating. And so mm. I love to have that time. So for myself, um, what feeds me is, is study. Yeah. Do you work mostly in the more, like first part of the day with clients or afternoons or it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So you take I, what I do do is I do give myself two hours for lunch. Two hours for lunch. Yes, I, I call it the Mediterranean diet. It's not just the food. It's also in, in Mediterranean countries. We have two hours for lunch. I'm yeah. originally from Spain. So, you know, I finish at one and I don't have my new my next client until three. You're so, originally from Spain. Yes. Do you speak Spanish? Yes. Oh, so you, you work in two languages. Or... Yes, I don't do as much in Spanish. I, I do have occasionally clients in Spanish. Just, I don't have the language as much, you know. Yeah. So how would you say that in Spanish, you know? Yeah, I can understand that. I I can, but I... I, 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 I speak Russian, but most of the things, you know, hypnotherapy and NLP, I did learn in English. So sometimes it's a little cumbersome for me to work in Russian, although... I'm watching a lot of videos now because I'd like to, you know, try to work a little bit of the Russian market because they're really, really opening up to all of these things like coaching, hypnotherapy, and this even having all these stereotypes, negative stereotypes associated with coaching and hypnotherapy. Things are changing a little bit. All right, let's talk a, lot, a little bit about those stereotypes. Something you said in the beginning, how didn't people didn't show up for the hypnosis part of the class because of fears and, and everything do people still do you still encounter people having those you know fears and misunderstandings and how do you you know work through it um yes i do i mean i'll have people come in and go okay you know 
I've been told by several people that you're really good and, but I'm not really comfortable with hypnosis. And so, you know, and I, we, I usually tell them um, two things. One is like, no, we'll do hypnosis when you're ready. I've got tons of tools, you know? And then they're like, you know, after a few sessions, they're like, okay, I'm curious, you know? And then it's like, okay, let's do this, right? But the second thing is I always say is hypnosis is, it's kind of like a meditation. It's, it's actually takes you to the same state, you know, theta. Uh, but rather than just sitting in that state and, you know, in theory, watching your thoughts, you know, go by, we're utilizing that state. Mm -hmm. Same state as, as you're falling asleep and you're starting, you know, you're half asleep and half awake and your yeah. husband comes in and it's like, are you sleeping? And you're like, no, 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 I'm not. I didn't fall. I haven't thought, you know, and you're totally there, you know, because you're aware of him coming in. And at the same time, you're in that dreamy state. That's hypnosis. You know, it's just, it's a natural state that we go in and out of but a hypnotherapist will use that state because it's the place where all that dream space the subconscious the supraconscious the universal conscious is more available to us you know mm -hmm. so. so we the way i look i sorry i do have something my eye little eyelash yeah. here um so hypnosis i've had been doing this for also quite a while 15 years and i found that there is a state viewpoint and non-state viewpoint, meaning a state viewpoint, like you said, hypnosis is a state. And, and I agree with that. And I explain that to my clients as well, where it's a, it's a meditative state. It's a natural state. We'll go in and out of it on a day-to-day -day basis. When you just wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, that dreamy state, or even when you watch television, right? Or you're looking at a beautiful artwork, there's a standall effect I think where you're just like mesmerized by beautiful artwork. That's kind of a state of hypnosis, right? Where your noise is reduced, you're open. Um, and then the second part is the process viewpoint, also um, a valid viewpoint where we use that state to, to create change, to hypnotize, give information. In my, my situation as a hypnotherapist, hypnotist, I really work more with programming uh, more so I'd say 70% of my work is programming, re rewriting certain narratives. Um, maybe 30% I can do something what you're doing the regression or parts work and really talking to different parts, but it's not so much my specialty. That's why I probably refer this clients to you next time when they, when somebody comes to me and um, that's the process. So going back to the process, it's where you use that state to process for a process like doing parts work or talking, creating change, or a process where you install a new belief, a new information, a new picture, right? So it's a, it's a process of changing the mind via that special state of receptivity. Yeah, and it's changing the deeper mind. And, and, and the body too. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, the body, I, I call it the body mind, you know, the subconscious. I, you know, with my clients, I say, imagine your, your conscious mind is like this frontal lobe that is very calculating. And this is what I did this morning. And this is what I did now. And you thinking process. And I said, the subconscious, you imagine it starts here all the way down to your toenails and kind mm -hmm. of up here mm -hmm. something, right? So for me, the body mind is part of that. Yeah. And, I remember. Yeah. And uh, some people really, I actually had a conversation with my client yesterday. She was saying, um, but isn't the subconscious, you know, cause she had some training in hypnosis. She goes, isn't that the primitive mind? And I said, well, that's a part, you know that's a part of subconscious but it's, it's not the entire subconscious. I mean, we have, 
we have the soul conscious within there. We have the super conscious. We have the one who's come in from day, you know, from before day one. You know, there's all of those air spaces are available in that state. When we're awake, that state is contracted. And so we just have this very small filter that we see the world and we see the world according to our beliefs. But as yeah. we relax, we can relax that contraction and a lot more things are available. We can hear voices, we can get yeah. downloads, we can, you know, we can envision ourselves doing something that we feared, very relaxed state. And then afterwards your mind's like, oh, well, I experienced it. So I must be able to do it. And then, you know, there's your programming, right? Yeah, so yeah. Do it again, because it had that visceral experience in, in that trance state of doing something. Do you think that, I read, um, I, I received daily OM, I don't know if you've heard of them, Daily Omen. Yeah. And there was one of the recent uh, posts, the email about uh, a strong woman. And she talked about how there is feminine wisdom, something that is different from men. And I, when I read about it, I, was, I thought that there is wisdom, definitely wisdom, um, that shared wisdom that is available to everybody, to men and women. But I think that one difference that we have, women, is the, the, the power of surrender, right? masculine is about conquer feminine is surrender and surrender meaning like transcendence you like just let go and transcend and connect to that wisdom all around right i feel like there's almost like a color correlation here with hypnosis where you just let go of that control mind right you just completely surrender and and just connect with that wisdom and the wisdom is that's an interesting question you talked about super conscious and the the overall subconscious where where is that wisdom is it in a parallel world parallel side like where 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 is that wisdom where is it recorded what do you think science i think it's like one of the three um mysteries not yet resolved one is uh, what's what, what's the universe made out of the second one is where's the mind mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i love uh what Bruce Lipton, uh, the biology of belief, what he talks about, he says that, you know, our consciousness is, is everywhere and that our bodies are like a, a radio that tunes into one, you know, one uh, radio station, which is mm -hmm. Lena, the Lena radio station. And so that lets you, you know, channel through mm -hmm. the Lena consciousness, but of course it also channels through some universal consciousness as well yeah 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 it's so really, I think really fascinating i mean that it helps to understand um when you look at it that way it helps to understand uh how people die and are still aware of what's happening in the room and and all these mm -hmm. out-of-body experiences are understood better if you understand that consciousness is not a brain process but something something beyond yeah. And quantum physics, you know, it's like when someone's like, oh, but that's just uh, woo, I go, well, it's, it's actually quantum physics. You know, if you want to study quantum physics or qualia, uh, there is the research there. You know, the problem with quantum physics is it's so complicated. Most scientists, especially like biologists will look at it and go, oh, I don't understand. I'm just going to keep to Newton because Newton is really easy. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's linear. It's conscious mind, right? It's very linear. Yeah. This very unpredictable and so people are like no 
I'm staying right here because this is easy to understand. That just kind of goes poof. You know, I start thinking and my mind just goes, you know, and so it makes them uneasy. So they stick to what they know. Quantum physics is about the expansion and um, Mikio Kaku's parallel worlds. That's quantum physics, right? Yeah. And quantum string string theory. Yeah. And quantum physics says that. as you zoom in and you zoom in and you zoom in and you zoom in, cells yeah. are no longer particles, they're energy. And as you zoom in and you observe, the observer influences what those energies do. That's right. How they respond, you know? And so then it's like, wait a minute, the observer has the potential to modify matter. And so all of that can be explained through quantum physics. Double slit, double slit effect, I think, right? Is one of, one of those things. And yeah. Um, and that's how, how does it connect with uh, hypnotherapy um, and being an observer and being the influencer of matter? How does it connect to hypnotherapy? Well, what you're doing? Well, think of. Um, <clears throat> I always tell my clients one is the first thing they need to do. One of the first things we work on is their belief that it's only going to get worse. Because as the observer, if you're believing those cells of yours are going to get worse, they're going to get worse, right? But if you believe, and this is what I love doing in you know, as your programming, that anytime you feel a symptom, it's actually telling you that your body's getting better, mm-hmm. you can actually get better. Yeah. There was this great, I don't know if you've ever read, I, I think these are fascinating. There was these two studies in the 70s um, which were two men, of course, in the seventies, which did one study was in Florida. One study was in California. Mm-hmm. If they could use hypnosis to increase the size of breasts. I may have heard about that a little bit. Time that there was a lot of surgeries and they thought, well, can you use your mind to influence matter and actually have the cells of someone's breasts grow? And so they had, you know, I studied them to see, you know, what are they doing? And again, they had them close their eyes, go in hypnosis and envision. Mm. They would do uh, precise envisioning, like they're small children and they, you know, they grow up and their breasts grow. They had them envisioning pears growing. They had them envisioning hills mm. growing, different metaphors, different imageries, sometimes realistic, sometimes not along with interesting enough they did they would work for example nlp with with the clients because as they started working on these things all of a sudden all this resistance Mm. and all this meaning behind you know having breasts and they was like oh i'm starting to get why you know Mm -hmm. on underneath why the body protected itself in this way and so they used hypnosis as the observer observing their body and and having them envision just using visualizations for three months. I think it was like, I don't know if it's two or three times in a day. The average increase was one cup size. Mm, That's fascinating. There's also a study and maybe you may have heard about it at Monash University in Melbourne on IBS where they took, I think his name is Dr. Peters. They they had a group of 74 people, divided them in three groups, 25, 25, 24. And uh, one group, 24 people received hypnotherapy for IBS. Another one received a special um, diet, you know, the special diet for IBS. 
uh, and the other group received both the FODMP, FODMAP diet, that's the name yeah. of the diet. And then the other group received both FODMAP diet and hypnotherapy. And they found that to surprisingly did not expect that at all. Um, hypnotherapy group has 70% um, increase, you know, healing. Mm -hmm. uh, so the symptoms have disappeared and um, very similar things happened in the group with the diet. And then the group with both diet and uh, hypnotherapy had similar results and they were expecting it to be even better, but it was very similar. Then they concluded that it was a lot of it was in the mind and potentially it was the placebo that has helped, but then it did help the, the, the group that was just doing the, doing the diet. Bottom line is hypnotherapy worked without the diet. It showed the same, same result. And they, what they did is they actually used a lot of visualization that you're talking about visualization of the water and healing and an ingestive system cleansing and clearing and a lot of, you know, positive, positive thinking, yeah, which is really, really fascinating on anxiety. When it comes to IBS, a lot of work on feeling, you know, self-esteem and anxiety and, and feeling like you can manage because if you are at work and going, Oh my gosh, I have this deadline by Friday. I'm not going to make it. Your body's receiving those neuropeptides of, you know, and so your body's freaking out and your stomach's like, ah, no, not a good time to digest. Um, mm, just refusing to digest, right? Yeah, of course, mm -hmm. because the digestion takes a lot of energy. And so your body's constantly checking in. Is this a good time to digest? Is this a good time to digest? And if there's fight or flight or lots yeah, of exactly. yeah, no, 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 uh, I'll, I'll just stay right here you know, and so all of a sudden it feels like a stone in your body or all of a sudden you get diarrhea because your body goes, you know what? Can't digest this. I'm just going to get rid of it because it's just, it's not a good time. Yep. Yep. Or you, just hold on to it. I'm sorry. Or it will hold on to it and go, exactly. I'll, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. Oh, it's too hard now. Body is fascinating. We need to love our bodies, respect our bodies, talk to our bodies, yes. you know? our bodies there are vehicles here on this planet to help us experience the world um what do you do, do you use your clients self-hypnosis and do you record your sessions uh so usually i will record so in a session a lot of times we'll start um we'll start looking at one thing in particular for example this fear of failure and so I'll use whatever technique. Sometimes it's hypnosis. Most times it's some NLP process or parts process. And then when we really get that learning, that deeper learning, then I'll put them in hypnosis and repeat the learning so that can really, it's your programming, right? So yeah. that they really set in. Mm -hmm. That'll be the full session. Other times, you know, especially at the beginning or, you know, punctually, we'll just do trance to go into a processes, yeah or a symptom to find out what it's there for and what, what work needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. This is the kind of part you don't really need to record. I don't record those parts as well, but the, the actual, the, the, um, the affirmations part is, is all. Yeah. Is useful. yeah. Repetition creates permanence. You want to program that in because they leave like, Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. I totally get that. And then, it, you know, you want to make sure they get it and it stays. Exactly. And, and then you reinforce it. So tell me about your, some of the lessons, um, 
you're a young woman and what are some of the main lessons up until this point in your life life right now you have learned like one or two lessons that you have learned for yourself you can if you can share with us gosh i guess even just in this you know the when when people are like oh what's your religious practice or your spiritual practice i always say oh hypnosis you know um what I really learned is nothing is arbitrary. You know, it's like me as a kid and reading, you know, nothing is arbitrary. It's like everything that you do will be useful later on, you know, will come back and, and provide something. It's like, I was an architect before I built airports and yet, you know, I knew how to build structures and organize it all and, and research what needs to happen where. And I've continued to use that part. You're an architect now in a sense. Yeah, it's a different kind of architecture, but I've still used many of the skills. You know, I was a, I was a director there. I was motivating. I'm doing the same thing. I'm motivating the client. So that's a big thing that I've learned is nothing um, is arbitrary. Yes, this is so good. And this is what you're saying right now. I wanted to just uh, point that again, especially for young people. I, I, I see these people in their 20s and 30s. They say, you know, I went to school for this and I feel like I wasted my time. I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, no, 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 wait, you got your degree. It's going to be useful because it taught you how to think creatively, how to think structurally, how to write reports, how to think as a scientist. It's going to be used somehow. You'll find yourself. So, so what you're saying is really important. Yeah. 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 And then I guess the, I don't think that the reason I, I work with MS is arbitrary either, you know? Um, so when I work with them, I'm always looking at, okay, what's this telling me about myself? You know, what am I here to learn through supporting you know other people and it's and it is about um not having everything in your life about achievement you know doing creative things for the joy of it and not because it's going to look good you know um in my own art i used to you know i love art but but i always have that resistance like oh i don't practice enough so it's not going to look good you know and just mm -hmm. do the art just to do the art you know not to look good, not because you can sell it or you can make a profession out of it, but it's just do the art because it's a huge aspect of who you are. Wow, this is incredible. I, I can totally relate to it. And um, there are times when, when I, I saw myself too, you do something, whether it's art or even film. I made a film in my 20s, late 20s, which is a good film, but looking back, of course, could have done a little bit of better work but when you make something and you feel like this is for an audience or this is to get into the festival while you still do it because you're a filmmaker and you're talented you know i remember having that thought you know i want to i want to get it i want to i want i want to get to this festival and that festival and and then my lesson was that you're talking about is to you have to just just do it really well perfect it don't think about um, the audience don't, don't think about payback. Don't think about that. You know, it's, it's really, really important, especially with art. It's just doing it right here and enjoying it because this is really one reason why we write, write or do art or Tolstoy wrote war and peace or Dostoevsky wrote, you know, crime and punishment. It's really the, the, 
the craft of writing and releasing something in a sense it's really cathartic and, and, and cathartic and healing and a lot of and good artwork is like that being so present being so aware doing it in the moment right here right now and yeah and the rest, the rest yeah it's almost like you need to do it for yourself and those that can see it can hear it can understand it will it, will and those that can't that is totally fine you are doing it for your own expression because as you do are things of your own life your own understanding the emotions you're depicting all of this stuff you know gets understood through you it gets gets expressed and if anybody else is like huh it doesn't matter you know there's like this ah yeah there i i i understand it you know i always say look at these a lot of these artists right when they were alive no one understood their work and now there's museums dedicated to them it's like don't do it for other people exactly. do it because you can't help it because it just draws you mm -hmm. into it yeah yeah what are your plans for the future what do you see for yourself what are you excited by Continuing to do this uh, work, continuing to teach about disease, um, continuing to write. I just wrote a paper on, um, on MS and through the lens of biomedicine, um, mind, body, spirit, quantum medicine, you know, and, and yeah, just continuing to understand, continuing to share the work and continuing diving deeper and deeper because the deeper I dive, the more I understand, you know, the universe, the more I understand how everything is set up. And that's, that's what fills me is that deeper understanding of the reasons why we're here. That's, that's amazing. That's thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for what you have shared with us. And I'm sure the audience has, has learned something. I have one kind of unrelated question. I thought about what the lower back pain, what, what do you think is the, generally what does it tell you if you had clients with lower back pain what is it about stress pushing yourself harder what is it I just i'm trying to think i just had a client with lower back pain um if there is a yeah it, again the best thing is to talk to the lower back pain usually there's an over responsibility ah a need that I have to get, you know, finances is a worry about finances, over responsibility. Mm. It's like bearing too much load. Bearing too much load. Yes. I'm going to tell my husband about that <laughs> so he can relax. I'm teaching my husband some exercises and, uh, and you know, go in trance, have him go to a safe space. And say in a moment, you're, we're going to invite a guest in that will represent your lower back. We don't know what it's like. It could be a person, a thing, an imagery, a music. Just allow. And when it comes, first thing that comes up is correct for you. Sometimes, I mean, I've had Pirates of the Caribbean come up, you know, whatever it is, it will come up and then have a conversation with it. Thank you. It's hard to work with your uh, spouse. I usually don't work. I usually like, I think it's better to work, to have just send them to some, someone else, to, to a professional. Maybe I'll send him to you. Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was great. I really enjoyed talking to you. This was our first meeting and uh, hopefully we'll meet again, talk more. And um, hopefully one day I'll meet you in person. We're here in California. So thank you so much for your time today. All right, Lena. Bye. I enjoyed it too. Bye-bye.